today on the Travel Guys. In the travel news, Delta pilots send the public an open letter over flight cancellations, but canceled flights continue to pile up. And if you were going to the World Cup, would you want to stay in a tent in the desert? Those stories and more next in the news. In our Smarter Traveler segment at 320, Mark reviews the reasons for credit card loyalty or not and talks about what he saw in the Sacramento and Seattle airport on a quick trip this weekend. We have a great interview coming up at 335. To recognize Juneteenth, we spoke with Jessica Nabongo. Jessica has visited all 195 United Nations recognized countries. I think one of our best guests ever. And Mark, I agree. Jessica is obviously an experienced traveler, and she shared some real insight. Stay with us after the news at the bottom of the hour and meet her. Lots of news, tips to make you a smarter traveler, and the chance to meet a unique globetrotter. That's the menu for today's edition of The Travel Guys. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. of the Travel and Entertainment Guys with Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano. Uh, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Remember now links to our special guests and more always at TravelGuysRadio.com. Mark, I was listening to the intro of the show. It has the Two Tickets to Paradise song, Eddie Money. Uh-huh. And uh, there was a commercial, I can't remember, Geico or somebody, and it showed uh, these folks standing in a uh, obviously a ticket agency office and and the song was playing two tickets to paradise and the guy standing there with his wife and two kids and he's going no 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 we need four tickets four tickets to paradise and Nettie money standing there going two tickets to paradise no no four tickets and i always thought that was uh one of the funniest of all how's uh how's our traveler welcome back a uh, little trip to uh Seattle for a for a couple of days on a scouting ex- expedition. How'd that yeah. go? Yeah, well, it, it went well. I mean, as if you don't mind getting up in the middle of the night a couple times, you can you know fly uh, all over the country at these points in time. Because if so you, you fly the... in the middle of the day or late in the day, your flight's going to be late or canceled. So you might as well get your butt out of bed and go early. More on that later on. Yes, sir. Okay. So yeah, you took that uh, early five a.m. thing. Uh huh. Five oh five in the morning. Man. To Seattle, oh my God! But but there were some advantages, and and, and we'll we'll it, it's it's important to note that travel right now is a trade off. We've talked about, gosh, for what a year and a half now, about the F word about being flexible when you travel because not everything for a, a while a lot of stuff was shut down and you know it was really hard to travel and now everything's opened up but there's a gazillion people traveling. So it, travel has always been a science. And at the beginning of COVID, it was a certain kind of science and you took a certain approach. And now for the second, now that 
we're ignoring COVID. It's not gone, but now that we're ignoring it, it takes a different kind of approach, especially with all of these. Every idiot in the world is traveling right now. I mean, at least it seems that way. Um, I'm sure there are a lot of nice people traveling, too, but I guarantee you that all the idiots are definitely out there. Um, so anyway, we'll talk a little bit about about that later on in the program. There you go. And later on at TravelGuysRadio.com, there will be a, a definition uh, page for idiot so you can find out if you qualify. Anyway, thanks for joining us, folks. We'll try not to offend too many people today, but we do have a lot of good stuff to bring you. So let's get started at the top of every Travel Guys radio program. We bring you the travel news. And with it, said travel expert, Marco. Delta pilots have written a letter to their customers saying that they are frustrated by the delays and the cancellations also. Delta pilots, in part it reads, Delta pilots take pride in the reliability and service that defines Delta Airlines. We are disheartened when we witness the impact of your disrupted travel plans. As you travel with us this summer and beyond, we ask you to please remember the following. Delta pilots will continue to prioritize safety every day and on every flight. Blah, 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 blah. PR line, PR line, PR line. The, the pilots have signed the pilots of Delta Airlines. Um Next time, guys, just don't even waste it, your energy. Um, this was sent out by their – this is the Delta uh, ALPA. So this is, their, this is their union. And so they're just, they're, they're just so disappointed that Delta has canceled about 100 flights a day off of their schedule during the summer. And interesting to know, Delta at least hasn't canceled the same flight every day. They didn't wipe a flight off the schedule. They went and said, all right. This flight isn't going to run on Tuesdays and Fridays. And on Tuesdays and Fridays, we're going to run this flight, which used to be every day, but this, now it's only going to be two. So they've done some interesting things with their schedule. But it's really, it, it, to me, it's fascinating that the pilots are, they didn't, they stopped short of apologizing to the public. They just said, well, this is a problem for us, too. We've worked more overtime this year than 2018 and 2019 combined. Shed a tear, shed a tear, shed a tear. Um, it, it, it's... To me, it's just all BS because if so many pilots hadn't taken advantage of being able to get out, I mean, the airlines let up. When COVID hit, they took the money from the government and they let their employees go with nice parachutes. And many of them said, you know, I'm going to retire in two or three years. Why not go now? And so now everybody started traveling again and the airlines weren't. You know, they didn't look into the crystal ball and see that all, all these people were going to be traveling, so now they don't have enough help. And restaurants and hotels and stuff don't have enough help, but that's kind of a different sort of economic situation. But for the airlines, um, they made this bed themselves. So now we are all sleeping in it together. And um, probably creates sort of a mental picture, but that's sort of what it looks like <laughs> at the airport right now is all those people together. Listen, um, the most popular air travel day... This year um, was last weekend. Um, the TSA screened more people on Friday than they than they than they have scared than they have screened on any day since COVID starting. So um, they're guessing that number will be broken today. So it, it's it, airports, as I mentioned, um, airports are are definitely crowded, and it's. 
Um, it's probably not going to be different. So if you're flying on a holiday weekend or an adjoining day, you know, if you're going for the 4th of July and you're going on Friday the 1st, um, I have a group, I'm with a group coming back from Portland in the evening of Friday the 1st. Um, I say three Hail Marys every night before I go to bed already, even though it's a month away. Um, so if you're just, you, you got to give yourself plenty of time and you've, you've got to, also, another thing you need to do is check the night before. Many airlines, like, for example, United Airlines, Delta Airlines, you can look on your phone or on your computer and see where your plane is. So you, you'll you know if you are the first flight out in the morning whether or not your plane came in the night before. Anyways, some more on that later on. Uh, Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation, has um, – I won't say he took the airlines to the carpet, but he sent them all down and said, all right – um, we're still seeing a lot of cancellations and a lot of schedule disruptions, and you guys have, have made some cuts. You know, what all is going on here? And the airlines say, well, you know, we're trying to get it under control, and we're, we're still making schedule changes and cuts and stuff like that. It sounds to me like the airlines are still trying to run 100 flights with 90 people. And they're, they're afraid to make any more flight cuts because the flights are full, and they have nowhere to put people. So if your flight gets canceled, you know, and you and there were 80 people or 100 people or 120 people on the plane, there aren't 120 seats to that city on all the airlines combined over a three or four day period. So this is part of the problem that people are facing is that it's it's just icky. It's just icky. Um, airfare, summer airfares are up all over the country. Interestingly enough, they are up in Sacramento more than most places. Um Honolulu, Hawaii has the biggest increase in airfares year over year, and then it's mostly West Coast destinations, Portland, San Jose, Seattle, San Francisco, and right there in sixth place, good old Sacramento, then Los Angeles, Albuquerque. Interestingly enough, Wichita, Kansas, don't know where that one came from. But um, if you're looking at airfares and you're thinking, wow, that's really expensive for Sacramento, we've, we've been notorious for having slightly cheaper fares over the years. And no, not any longer. In fact, in some cases, you're going to fly. find it's more expensive to fly out of Sacramento than it is to take the puddle jumper to San Francisco and try to um, go out of there. They're having the same problems, by the way, at European airports. Lots of cancellations, not enough staff. Um, Schiphol Airport and Heathrow have both shut down <clears throat> one night a week in recent days and just said, that's it, we're done, no more flights. For the rest of the night, we're just going to do a reset. So, if you're traveling, why that can be a little bit of a, a little bit of an issue. Wow, I'll tell you. Uh, and everybody wants to travel. I mean, if you watch the news on a regular basis, uh, travel travel stories are are in, in the news every night. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the talk about the number of people that want to travel uh, has not decreased. Uh, so, you know, you can just expect it. Uh, yeah, it's just how it is. Use the F word, uh, flexible. Yeah, uh, and if if you're flexible, uh, there's a possibility that the the other F word uh, could <laughs> could could pop in there somewhere along won't the need line. To be part it. of your, yeah, it won't need to be part of your part of your vocabulary if you yeah. are flexible enough. And we're going to talk in the next segment a little bit more about that and just some things that I saw this uh, this weekend in the two West Coast airports that I was. That I was in. Uh, if you've noticed out there by the Sacramento airport, we have a new thing called the Metro Air Park. Amazon was the first to build a huge facility out there. 
and other facilities have gone in, and now there is word coming um, from the Sacramento Business Journal that a uh, new proposal would add more than 500 hotel rooms and both retail and restaurant space to that commercial project. You know, it's interesting to note that Sacramento is one of the largest airports in the country without any sort of a hotel facility anywhere on property. I mean, even... No, everything's... Yeah, yeah you've got a ways to go. Yeah, you've got West to walk Sac. all the way over to Del Paso or to Woodland, interestingly mm-hmm. enough is some yep. of the closer hotel rooms. I know folks who come down from the North Valley do that. They're talking about a La Quinta Hotel, a Staybridge Suites, and a 180-room Hyatt Hotel, probably a Hyatt Place, um, and another 150-room hotel with a with a uh, flag that hasn't been named yet. They're also talking about some restaurants and things of that sort, which would be awesome, I am certain, because uh, especially now that flights are leaving at 5 o'clock in the morning, um, a lot of folks might opt to go out there and spend the night and be able to leave their car at a hotel, take the shuttle or something like that. That's what many people do. The Seattle airport probably has, oh, 25 to 30 hotels within a couple miles of the airport, maybe more hotels than any airport in the country. Right. Um, U.S. tourists. Um, gosh, people just can't behave, and it really kind of gives all of us a bad name. Uh, US, the headline says, U.S. tourists fined for damaging Rome's Spanish steps with scooters. These folks rented scooters and then threw them down, according to uh, road, and threw them down um, a monument, uh, the city's Spanish steps, um, with electric scooters. A group of American tourists launched a scooter three times uh, down the steps, damaging the third to last uh, step on the second ramp. They said that damage is about uh, $40,000. But more than anything, it just makes us all look bad. Maybe people could... You know, behave when they're on the road, or at least take off the backpack that has the USA sticker on it, or something like that. Anyway, just a thought. Uh, let's see what else we got in the news here. Breakfast is back at hotels. Um, customers have been noticing the fact that that hotels that used to have breakfast either don't have them anymore, have slimmed them down. Hotels that had full service buffets have not returned them. Um, they say that it's related to COVID. Um, I say it's related to costs. And the fact that they're they're thinking that maybe they can get away with a different kind of arrangement, but customers are now saying, you know, uh, remember the old uh, Clara, what was her name, the gal that did the Wendy's commercial a hundred thousand years ago? Where's the beef? So now the customers are saying, where's the breakfast? And uh, you know, I'm staying in this hotel. I'm paying one hundred and fifty to two hundred dollars for a room night, and I've got to do a grab and go breakfast in the morning with a lukewarm uh, rubber egg sandwich. Maybe I think not. So. Hotels are finally starting to step things back up. Hilton found that mm-hmm. their breakfasts were sorely lacking at not only their full-service hotels, but at places like Hampton Inns and stuff where you you know kind of go down and self-serve because they had limited the number of choices. Well, you know, if, uh, if they're selling all the rooms and they don't have the breakfasts and that, you know, they're, they're full up, people are clamoring for reservations because they want to travel and they want to go to whatever it is because the hotel isn't the destination it's uh you know wherever it is that they're going to go once they get there uh that if they can still fill the rooms then why bother to uh incur the the expense of having the buffet and and all that they used to have 
it, it, it's a matter of uh, supply and demand and competition. You know, maybe if the competition starts to have the breakfasts back and so forth, then uh, the business will go there, and those that weren't will then have to figure out how to compete. I think the hotels are going to see as this incredible demand exceeds supply situation starts to level off, and I believe that it will in the fall. Um, I think they're going to see that, like as you've pointed out, there are going to be empty rooms. And they're going to look down the street and say, how many rooms has he sold and how much versus how many did we sell? And did, did he sell his because he's doing a full breakfast and we're not? And if that's what their guests are telling them, and I'm, I'm hearing this even myself more and more, you hear the grumbling from people when you're on the hotel shuttle van like this morning. Uh, people are talking about, well, you know, the restaurant doesn't open until 7 o'clock. Well, well, that doesn't help any of us who have flights at 730. Well, heck. People were leaving that hotel since 4 in the morning for 6 o'clock flights. So nobody had had breakfast. So the hotels have done things to save costs and make extra money, and I think they're going to have to be weaned off of those things probably by some of their customers. But the thing to do is if you're a traveler and the services aren't at a hotel where you expect them to be or what they used to be, then you need to tell the management. You don't have to throw a tantrum in the middle of the lobby, but you need to make sure that they know that the next time your buying decision might be different if those services aren't restored. Finally, one more uh, quick story here. Um, World Cup travelers may be forced to stay in a tent city. Um, if you're going to cut our the, for, for the uh, – for, for the World Cup this year, you might find that because of the shortage of hotels, they're talking about um, outdoor tents, which would have electricity and showers for $195 a night. Or they're also, they're also looking at exploring using short shuttle flights for visitors to stay in neighboring Saudi Arabia. Bad news for soccer fans, and that's your travel news for today. Yeah, he has. Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano, travel and entertainment guys. Remember, TravelGuysRadio.com for smarter traveler stuff. And right now, Mark, uh, let's talk a little bit about credit card loyalty. Okay, we got a lot of stuff to go here. Um, Just remember with the credit card thing, I I was looking around the other day um, trying to redeem some points and stuff, and it just blew me away. Um, the, The point totals now for hotels on any kind of a peak night at all or on a weekend um, also airlines in terms of points and stuff like that you you used to be enticed by these credit card deals of hundred thousand free points or free miles if you sign up for this card well check and see what that buys now because Nothing. in many cases yeah it doesn't buy a whole lot it so really doesn't. Uh, it, the, the miles and points and stuff and boy just never get caught buying those no matter what the deal is you unless unless you need 5000 points or miles in order to complete a one week stay or something like that or a a trip around the world or something really important to you that would be the only reason you would ever consider buying buying miles or points from those are it's never a good deal when they offer 40 or 50% off or two for one or anything like that it's never a good deal never 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 um i went to seattle uh this weekend and came back early this morning and um, a lot of observations of Southwest has this new bank of flights for the summer. Just started a couple weeks ago. Um, they leave between 5 and 6 o'clock. There's a Seattle, a Los Angeles, a Denver, a Phoenix, and a Portland. Um, the Seattle one is first. It leaves at 5.05 in the morning. 
Um, you know, if you the security now opens at three thirty. Remember, our guys told us about that a couple of weeks ago when they were on the program. So uh, if you've got one of those god-awful early flights, of course, you're going to have to get up really early. But let me just tell you something. There's not going to be anybody at the airport to fight. There's no lines <laughs> for security. There's no lines to check. I mean, I'm serious. There's no lines to check in. There's no it, – it, it's easier to get places. Now, one thing is there aren't a lot of concessions open. So if you've got one of those really early flights, don't bang on the – don't bank on the fact that you're going to get to the airport and be able to get your favorite – you know what snack or whatever the Starbucks Starbucks opens I think at 4:30 and the line before they opened was probably 30 people deep so if you're going to take one of those early flights you may need to bring your breakfast with you uh in some way shape or form something that you can get through security um but a lot fewer delays I got to Seattle getting getting a rental car no problem it's 7 30 in the morning there's nobody in baggage claim there's nobody at the car rental place i get down to pike place market at 8 30 in the morning there's nobody there so the point of all of this is we we brought this up once before but really and truly i know if you're traveling with a family and you've got teenagers or something like that it's going to be hard to get people out of bed at 7.30 and get them dressed and ready to go at 9 o'clock so that you could go tackle the world. But think about all the advantages of getting up early in the morning. And if you're going out hiking or someplace like that, the parking lots where you're going are filling up really early. So you're going to some cute little town or something with very limited parking. By 10, 10 all the spaces are gone. So now you get there at 11 and you waste another 30 minutes driving around trying to find a place to park or you had this place that you really wanted to hike, go hiking and or, or cycling or something and you can't do it because you didn't go early enough and there's no parking available. So there's really, really a huge advantage. And I'm not a morning guy, but there's a huge advantage to right now to people who can get going early in the day. To go traveling to Paris, London, and Rome. Hey there, my friends. It's Mark Hoffman and Tom Romano, always the travel and entertainment guys, brought to you by Sports Leisure Vacations. Links to our special guests and more can always be found at travelguysradio.com. As we've been promoting here for the last week, uh, we're going to spend some time with a woman who is extremely well-traveled. Mark? Jessica Nabongo is our is our guest. Jessica has a book, The Catch Me If You Can, One Woman's Journey to Every Country in the World. Jessica, welcome to the Travel Guys. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Well, Jessica, um, I will confess I haven't read your book cover to cover yet, but in perusing <laughs> some of the different some of the different parts of the book and getting ready for our interview, uh, Tom said well traveled, and I I would say that those. <laughs> those words fit you what made you a traveler on this level yeah well i've been traveling internationally since i was four um with my parents and so from a really young age i was exposed to the world and my like i also grew up in a home with encyclopedias and atlases and so my travel was really fueled by my curiosity um which my parents helped to uh soak through all of the books that i had access to Ah, ah, okay. So you've been traveling since you were four. You've been to more than a hundred foreign countries. I've been to every country in the world, so one hundred and ninety-five. Wow, wow. What do you say to someone like Mark, who is a tour operator and takes people all over the place in North America, but is a little bit has this little bit of a fear of traveling to foreign countries? That would be me. 
What would, what would you say to help me? <laughs> Since you've been to 195 of them, you obviously don't have that fear. <laughs> I don't. And, you know, it, it's funny because I, I, <laughs> I think of myself as a good person. So I never assume that someone is a bad person because they're a stranger. And I travel to 89 countries solo, um, many places that people would never even consider because they're on the State Department do not travel list. I did a lot of those solo. And the number one lesson that I learned is that most people are good. So for me, I'm not afraid of humans. Once you're not afraid of humans, there's nothing to be afraid of. So I would just remind you of the goodness of humanity. And hopefully that will help to take away that fear of traveling to places. That's a great attitude, Jessica. Your book, Mm -hmm. uh, for those that uh, might be interested in uh, picking it up and finding out more about your travels, what style is the uh, is the book positioned in? Yeah, so it's really it's a travel log, but there's through a lot of the stories, I think that people will build out their own bucket list. Um, there's a lot of tips and tricks that I have weaved in the story, and also in the little sidebars. Uh, there's also over 300 images, and I was really intentional on picking the images um, with each of the countries because I really wanted people to think differently about the world through this. To, to see beautiful images of Afghanistan and Yemen. And these are images that you'll never see on the news. And the news is what shapes uh, the way that a lot of people see the world. So I hope that this book helps to shape it as well for the good. Jessica, you are an African-American woman. And you're as adventurous as any person that I've that we've had on the program in the 11 years we've been doing this in terms of where you've been and the like. Have you encountered being a woman of color? Um, has has that factored at all in your in your travels? I mean, you've been in and out of a lot of countries. So, um, have there been challenges along the way? Yeah, I mean, most of the issues that I have are actually with like immigration. So, you know, I'm visibly African, and I'm carrying an American passport, and sometimes I travel on a Ugandan passport. So oftentimes when I'm on my American passport, people think that um, it's fake. And then sometimes when I'm on my Ugandan passport, people think that I'm going to overstay my visa. So for me, those are the biggest challenges of like being a visibly African woman. Um, But once you get inside of the country, I've just had such amazing experiences. The worst things that have happened to me have happened in the U.S., Paris and Rome. And no one, you know, flinches when they think of traveling there. So for me, I just hope that through my stories, people keep an open mind. How did you get started in this? What made you, I mean, you've been traveling since you were four, so is it just kind of ingrained in your blood? I mean, because that's the way I sort of am. I I didn't really travel as a child, but once I get into the tour Mm -hmm. business and became a tour operator, it was like, wow, this is a great way to see the world. Tell me how. Yeah, for sure. Tell me your philosophy. Yeah, well, my blood is actually made of jet fuel. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but yeah, travel is definitely. Well, Jessica, you're a, a lot more valuable than you were a couple of years ago, that's for sure. <laughs> right, I know. The price went up. <laughs> um, but no, it's really, it's absolutely a part of who I am. And the only reason I'm able to even sustain with all of the work that I do is because it's actually fueled by things that I'm passionate about. I'm passionate about storytelling, I'm passionate about changing the narrative of places that people people rarely travel to and you know I'm passionate about showing these beautiful images so the opportunity to work with National Geographic on such what I believe to be an important book is like it's perfect because it's this 
you know, historic institution that has been problematic in the past in terms of the images that they've shared from different countries. So for me as a black woman to now be able to turn my lens on the world and have an amazing publisher like National Geographic, it just allows for that shift to to happen on a larger level. Our special guest, uh, Jessica Nabongo, uh, arguably the most traveled woman in the world. Jessica, to travel 195 countries, how long does that take? <laughs> a lifetime. Um, so I traveled to 30, 135 new countries in two and a half years. The rest were done over you know, a much longer span of time. Wow. Well, how wow, do you pack a- for that? <laughs> I only traveled for like six to eight weeks at a time, and I always checked one bag. I'm not one of the carry-on people, because plus I was traveling with a camera, and so I always wanted to be able to have what I needed. One bag. Oh, this is the perfect opportunity, Tom, since yeah. we are – one of our themes, Jessica, is making people a smarter traveler, and one of the things we do on a radio uh, station that we're on here in Sacramento is offer people a travel tip every week. So um, 195 countries, you must have a travel tip or two that you could share with mm-hmm. our listeners. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's my travel tip. Carry a reusable cup with you, like a tumbler that you often may put coffee in or something like that, and use that on a plane every single time you travel because that will help to reduce the use of single-use plastic. And if you've been to a lot of beaches um, in many countries, you see all of the plastic that washes ashore and makes that beach, which you have crystal clear blue water and plastic on the sand. So please, 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 if people just... Travel with a tumbler um, on planes and use that instead of a plastic cup, then we can all do our own little part. Wow. I, you know what? I, 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 we should have guessed that Jessica would have a, have a, uh, uh, you know, a planet-saving tip rather, yeah, well, rather than how, where to pe- pack your, uh, your toothbrush or something. Well, when she was talking about traveling light, why well, then I thought, you know, that was where it was going to come from. But yeah. um, what, a, what a great... What a great tip. Uh, I, want, I have a couple things I want to ask you about about traveling in the U.S., but before I do that, um, Jessica, your parents mm-hmm. are immigrants from Uganda. Is that right? Mm-hmm, yep. And, yep. Uh, and you have traveled back to that country. What was that like? Uh, you know, not everybody gets to make that full circle journey to go back to where they're from, especially when it's someplace in Africa. Tell us a little bit about Uganda. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, I've been traveling to Uganda since I was six. Um, Most of my family lives there. Most of my parents' siblings are still there. I have 106 first cousins, only 103 are in the U.S. So I'm very attached to my Ugandan heritage. Um, My last trip there was February 2020. It was the last international trip before the world shut down. So I love Uganda. You know, you have Lake Victoria, which has some of the world's best sunsets. Um, in my humble opinion, you have this source of the Nile. You have one of the world's largest concentration of bird species and primate species. Um, you have the world's, some of the world's last living mountain gorillas. So you can go trekking with them. Um, just tons of national parks and just tons of natural beauty. And I think the people are really amazing. Um, our national spirit is gin. So a lot of people love that. And the food <laughs> is delicious. So, so much to do in Uganda. The title of Jessica's book is The Catch Me If You Can, One Woman's Journey to Every Country in the World. There will be a link to it at TravelGuysRadio.com if you would like to learn a little bit more about the book and perhaps even get a copy. 
Um, Jessica, you've been all around the planet. I would be remiss if I didn't. I was I was looking through the first part of your book, and I saw where you had listed favorite places in the U.S., because as you mentioned in the last couple of years, that's kind of been the focus of your travels. And you mentioned that Detroit mm-hmm. was your favorite yeah. place in the U.S. I'm guessing that there wouldn't be too many people who would put Detroit in the number one slot in terms of favorite places. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious as to why. Well, they should visit my hometown. Um, I love Detroit because it's so, like, ethnically diverse. So, like, I grew up going to Japanese restaurants and Yemeni restaurants and Mexican and Greek. And, you know, there's all this diversity in the region, the largest population of Arab Americans in the country. Um, Then on top of that, you know, of course, we have our theaters. We have our museums. We're home of Motown. We're the auto, like, um, we're the Motor City. There's tons of beautiful art galleries. So to me, I think Detroit has a lot to offer. In the summer, you have a ton of festivals on the waterfront, like Movement, which is a huge festival because Detroit is the home of house music. Um, so, yeah, Detroit is amazing. Great food, great people. I think everybody should check it out. Uh, if you go in the winter, fav- that is not my fault. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> is, is that where your favorite ice cream comes from, Detroit? Yes, and you know, it's so funny, when I was writing this book, I love Superman ice cream. I had no clue it was, like, it originated in Michigan. Um, and it's, you know, it's this blue, red, and I think green? Yellow. Blue, red, and yellow <laughs> ice cream, but I don't even know what the flavor is. It's delicious. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> and it, But it's found in Detroit, huh? Is there a favorite ice cream shop or a place in Detroit where you yeah, yeah, get Superman ice cream? Yeah, it's a place ah, okay. called Rays, just outside of the city. Yeah, and uh, I love it. I really hope I hope that the stock on Superman ice cream goes up. Superman <laughs> ice cream—that's a yeah, new well, one to me. You've stumbled onto a to a fellow ice cream lover here. So now I love that, you've that you guys don't have it there, <laughs> I have never heard of Superman ice cream. No, ever. But I, but I guarantee you, uh-huh. it's going to go on my. I must try this um, uh, list because you've been a lot of places. So if you're saying that's that's your favorite ice cream, then it's it's really worth checking out. Um, Jessica, as you've as you've traveled the planet, obviously travel changes people. It changes the way they think and the way they mm-hmm. look at things and stuff like that. Um, talk mm-hmm. a little bit about. As somebody who's been to all of these places, you have you have a perspective that virtually no one has. Um, You've seen things Mm -hmm. and experienced things that that other people can only dream about. Help us live a little bit through you and your travels for a minute or so, if you would. Yeah, you know, I think some key things for me that came up is that it's the beauty of humanity. You know, we're living in these times where it feels like everyone is divided and hateful, but it honestly, it's just a really loud minority. And so that's what I learned visiting every country in the world. Like I said before, um, I believe most people are good and we're more similar than we are different. We're just human beings. And if we can all just get down to that, like we're all humans, we bleed the same, we feel emotional pain in the same way. Once we really can just accept we're all just humans, we're all just out here trying to survive and thrive. And once you get down to that, you really can see the beauty in humanity and What I hope people get out of this book is I really hope that it makes them think differently about the world. I really hope that, um, you know, they think differently about a lot of countries that are typically vilified. Um, But, yeah, those are some of the lessons I learned. 
Wow, you are you are an adventurer in the true in the true word, Jessica. I admire you for um, what you've done, and I'm a little jealous of the insight that it gives you because even just traveling <laughs> around in our own country. And you stumble onto some little place. I'm kind of an off-the-beaten-track person, as Tom could tell you. And uh, I'm real fond of mm-hmm. things like Old Route 66 and going to places where, uh, you know, that other people might bypass. It sounds like we it sounds like we could have an interesting journey together sometime. I yeah, really want to thank sure. you for, for all of your, for your time and all of your insight here. Um, again, folks, this is Jessica Nabongo. She has been all over the planet. And she has written a, a book about it. Uh, Jessica, are the are the photos in it? Are those all photos that you took along the way? They are. They are. The ones that are of me are people who I just asked to take pictures of me. But all the other ones that I'm not in, I did take those photos. So what's next for you? You've now you've been to all these countries. You've written your book. Travel can't be over. No, I'll always travel. Uh, remember Great the jet question. fuel. Um, so I'm always going to be traveling and, you know, there's always so much more to discover, even if you've been to a place two, three, four or five times. So, um, so yeah, there's always going to be more travel to do. Do you wow. have a place, do you have a place that's on your list? What's your, is there some place on the top of your, I want to get there soon list? Well, I really, um, I'm, I'm aching for a beach vacation, so I'm thinking about Zanzibar, Maldives, Turks and Caicos, Anguilla. Those are some that come top of mind. Isn't wow. that interesting, Tom? When, the, the places she's naming when she thinks about a beach vo- vacation, I'm thinking, you know, down here by the Watt Avenue Bridge. Right, yeah, uh, the American <laughs> River in Sacramento, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> Jessica, thanks again um, for your time this morning. Um, with your permission, I would love to be able to to double back and speak to you again uh, in a few months or down the road sometime. Um, you have a wonderful perspective, and it, it's just Thank delightful you. to talk to you. Thank you so much for sharing. Thank you so much. Man, I tell you, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like I live in a walnut or something. <laughs> well, she that's a lady who, I mean, she travels with a purpose. Um, obviously she's, she's gained a a tremendous amount of insight from being all over the planet. She's a woman, she's a woman of color, so she's not treated the same as everybody else, as she pointed out, um, early on in the interview. So I, I just, I, I thought it was fascinating. If you, if you didn't join us at the beginning, Jessica has a book. Um, you can go to travelguysradio.com and she, and there is a link there. Um, so you can learn more about her and the book. Um, I have a copy, and I've gotten about a quarter of the way through it so far. And it's really, it's not only a, it's not only travel stories, but it's a, it's a life story, and it's the kind of life story that I think a lot of people can identify with, either because they love to travel or because they would like to travel. And they, maybe they haven't had the opportunity to travel that much for a variety of reasons. And I just, I, I think, that, what a fascinating lady. I hope that she will come back and talk to us somewhere down the road because i suspect there are more great places that she's going to find i uh the the question you asked you know about being a little shy or a little you know afraid to travel you know outside of the americas uh and 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 we when she spoke about the the number one thing she says you can't be afraid of humans yeah 
Yeah, I thought that was a great a great line. A great because a lot of people, line. you know, I mean, they're they're comfortable with their family and, and maybe the person across the counter at the grocery store, but to to travel to to other countries and be able to engage uh, with people. I know you often have talked about this when you take people to you know Route sixty six and out yes. on the open road. It's not so much the destination and the you know and the and the and just the things that you see it's the people you meet the characters the personalities the uniqueness of those that greet you and and become uh road friends if you will well i think and, that's the reason a lot of people travel is to is for those types of situations to meet those kinds of people to be in a restaurant and have um, you know, meet the chef or something happens that's unusual that you wouldn't normally get to uh, get to do. So anyway, I thank Jessica, especially on this Juneteenth uh, day. And by the way, happy Father's Day to you and to all of the fathers who might be uh, listening in. I have one. Last- Absolutely. I totally forgot about that at the top of the show. We yeah, me happy too. to greet. Happy to greet the moms. But yeah, you dads. Happy Father's Day. We just got a couple of minutes here, and I wanted to share just one more kind of smarter traveler idea here. I alluded to it a little bit earlier in the program, but if you are flying out on a flight early in the morning, for some airlines this applies any time, and some people I'm sure know about this, but you can find uh, United, Delta, I'm sure America has, American has this, uh, where you can track your flight. You can find out where your plane is. This is particularly important with a lot of cancellations happening now. And if you're on a first flight out of the morning, then you, if if your plane didn't come in the night before, we have this old rule. If your plane didn't arrive, you're not departing. So the good thing about being first out in the morning, going out at some ungodly hour, is your plane is generally on the ground the night before. So if you can look it up and see that something happened to your plane, then it's time to get on the phone or whatever and find out what's going on. You don't have to get up at O'Dark 100 and go out to the airport and go through all of that. So if it, no matter who you're flying with, Southwest does not have this tool yet, but some airlines do, and it's worth taking a look at and trying to find out, did your plane get in the night before? That's Is, that, is that pretty pretty accurate, uh, Mark, based yes, on what you know? it is. It's pretty accurate. Unless your plane doesn't, unless the engine doesn't start in the morning or they can't get the door open, both of which have happened to me, um, you're going to be safe. <laughs> All right. What's next week here on The Travel Guys? Next week, we're going to take you through buying an inexpensive ticket on a, a, a cheapo airline and let you know, is it really cheap? And also, we're going to take you up to a film festival in Reno that's going to take place later on in July. All right, my friends. You stay well. We'll see you next time on The Travel Guys. Mark? Re- remember, dance like nobody's watching. Nobody's watching.